previously on Breakdown. I tracked it closely. I was very curious what the big announcement was going to be. And I would say if there's a way to describe the trajectory, he's gone from terminating the Constitution to terminating good taste, all in the space of a uh, few days. If Bernie receives it, then if he tells the full bench that the grand jury's done, and this is what they've said that, you know, maybe this, again, we don't see anything here. We think it ought to go to a criminal grand jury. If they vote in favor, they'll dissolve the grand jury and then the DA takes the next step, whatever it is. If it's presenting it to another grand jury, then they'll do that. If it's not, if the matter's closed, that's what they'll recommend. So at the beginning, you have a lot more influence practically than what you than, than at the end. Once they grow up and realize that they're not a kitty cat, but they're a lion, and they've got more power than the DA in this instance, you're not telling them what to do in, in many instances. It's done. It's finished. It's dissolved. Eight months after convening, the Fulton County Special Purpose Grand Jury investigating former President Donald Trump and his allies is no more. First thing on the morning of January 9th, Judge Robert McBurney issued an order. He said the special grand jury had finished writing up its final report as to whether anyone should be prosecuted for illegally disrupting the lawful administration of the 2020 elections in Georgia. He also wrote that a majority of the Fulton County bench's judges had voted to dissolve the special grand jury. McBurney wrote, quote, The court thanks the grand jurors for their dedication, professionalism, and significant commitment of time and attention to this important matter. It was no small sacrifice to serve. The judge says what remains is the question of whether the final report should be made public. And, he said, the special grand jury had voted to recommend that its report be published. McBurney has scheduled a hearing on January 24th to decide whether the report should be made public. He said the district attorney's office will be given the opportunity to give its perspective, so will the news media. And, presumably, some of the targets of the investigation will try to prevent the final report's release. We will certainly be there. That report, if it recommends that charges be brought against a former president, could be one of the most consequential legal documents in recent U.S. history. This is episode 22, Its Work is Done of Season 9 of Breakdown, The Trump Grand Jury, from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Welcome back to Season 9 of Breakdown, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution investigating Georgia's most important cases. I'm Bill Rankin, the AJC's legal affairs reporter. And I'm senior reporter Tamar Hallerman. As we said in our last episode, this final report is very likely the most sought-after document in legal circles nationwide. 
Does it recommend that people be charged? We assume it does. And if so, who do the special grand jurors believe should be charged? Former President Trump? Attorney John Eastman? Trump's former lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, the former mayor of New York City? The slate of fake electors, including the head of the state Republican Party and a state senator? Jurors, of course, can't touch fake elector Burt Jones, our new lieutenant governor, because McBurney found the DA's office had a conflict with his case. But what about former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, or the people who harassed Fulton County poll workers Ruby Freeman and her daughter Shay Moss? President Joe Biden, by the way, awarded them the Presidential Citizens Medal on January 6th, the second anniversary of the insurrection of the U.S. Capitol. There are all sorts of possibilities out there. How much previously unreported information is in the report? What charges are being recommended? Did they get that specific? Will they include any witness transcripts? We'd sure like to get our hands on that report. No kidding. As for Trump, he issued a statement on his social media site, Truth Social, after news hit that the special grand jury's work was done. He wrote, quote, As has been stated many times concerning the world's longest-running witch hunt, my phone calls to Georgia officials were perfect, perhaps even more so than my perfect phone call to the president of Ukraine, which led to complete victory in impeachment hoax number one. Of course, he wrote the word perfect in capital letters. And he added, The call to the Secretary of State challenged election integrity, or lack thereof, which is my right slash duty. Also, many people on the call, and nobody hung up or was offended. Well, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger likely takes issue with that. In his book, Integrity Counts, Raffensperger recalls what he was thinking when Trump said this. And you're going to find that they are which is totally illegal. It's, it's, it's more illegal for you than it is for them, because you know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a, you know, that's a criminal, that's a criminal offense. And, and, you know, you can't let that happen. That's, that's a big risk to you and to Ryan, your lawyer. That's a big risk. Raffensperger wrote, quote, now President Trump is using what he believes is the power of his position to threaten Ryan and me with prosecution if we don't do what he tells us to do. It was nothing but an attempt at manipulation. I would think that if you felt somebody was threatening you or trying to manipulate you, you'd be pretty offended by that. Agreed. Trump also issued a statement about the Presidential Citizens Medals awarded to Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss and the disproven claims about ballots being counted multiple times for President Joe Biden. Trump wrote, quote, Ruby, her daughter, and the others who ran back into the counting room, grabbing the cases from under the skirted table and then back to their counting machines prior to hearing water main break, which never happened, have got a lot of explaining to do. I predict this medal, at a minimum, will someday be withdrawn. Okay, let's turn to this upcoming hearing on January 24th. We know one thing for certain. The AJC, along with a number of news media organizations, will be represented by counsel and will argue for the report's release. Here's AJC editor Kevin Riley, who breakdown listeners will remember from season six, a jury of his peers. He says the report should be made public. The special grand jury's work has been a matter of national and local importance. The report offers a clear view into the process, and its availability will increase the public's trust in our system of justice. Of course, 
Targets of the investigation could come forward and ask that the report be kept under wraps so as to not prejudice a potential juror pool against them. But for some of these potential targets, what's the real prejudice? Anyone following the select committee hearings has heard damning testimony against many of the key players involved in the Fulton County case, Trump, Giuliani, Eastman, Meadows, and many more. And the select committee publicly referred criminal prosecutions to the Justice Department against some, including Trump. That's already out there in the public domain. So, actual prejudice is relative, I guess. It certainly is. But to be sure, Judge McBurney will follow Georgia law when deciding whether to make the final report public. But like we said in the last breakdown episode, Georgia law is a bit murky with regard to special purpose grand juries because they are so rarely used. There is court precedent that seems to indicate not everything should be made public right away. In his order, which was only two pages long, McBurney writes that state law addresses an instance when a special grand jury votes for its final report to be made public. And he notes the law's provision is mandatory, quote, The judge shall order the publication as recommended. And like we said, grand jurors this time are recommending that their report be made public. McBurney adds that provision appears to apply to the work of special grand juries. But unresolved is the question of whether this special grand jury's final report constitutes a presentment. And he invites argument on this issue at the upcoming hearing on January 24th. McBurney also tells interested parties to pay particular attention to three prior appellate court decisions. One is the 1961 State Court of Appeals decision we talked about in our last episode. It says that a grand jury has no right, in the absence of specific statutory authority, to return a report charging or casting reflections of misconduct in office upon a public officer or impugning his or her character. Except, that is, when it issues an indictment. If such language is included in the report and there's no indictment, quote, it is the right of one who is subject of such extrajudicial report to have it expunged from the official records. Of course, as we've told you, this Fulton County Special Grand Jury cannot issue indictments. One of the other cases cited by McBurney was a 1996 presentment issued by a grand jury in a North Georgia county. That one casts reflections of misconduct and impugned the character of then-State Attorney General Mike Bowers and his office. There were also allegations that the report contained false and misleading information. In its decision, the appeals court said the judge overseeing the grand jury should expunge that language. The final case cited by McBurney involved a special grand jury from DeKalb County that was investigating then-CEO Vernon Jones. In that case, the special grand jury's presentment included language that was critical of Jones and other county officials, and the judge overseeing that special grand jury entered an order that expunged six paragraphs and parts of other paragraphs. The judge also placed the proposed presentment under seal. The special grand jury appealed that ruling, but the state court of appeals upheld the judge's decision to expunge parts of the presentment. So there is solid precedent in Georgia to prevent language that is critical of someone identified in a special grand jury's presentment from ever seeing the light of day. The issue involves the Latin phrase ultra vires, which means acts committed beyond one's legal power or authority. In these three cases, beyond a grand jury's charter. So what I think Judge McBurney is doing, and this is just speculation on my part, 
is that Judge McBurney has read the report and he's saying, I want to hear from all the aggrieved parties in here to decide if this report should be made public and how much of it should be made public and what is your argument for that? Because we also know under those cases he cited that the Superior Court judge is the one who reads that report and decides how much of it should be made public, how much of it is within the scope of that investigative grand jury to make recommendations. That's Pete Scandalakis, a former DA who now heads the Prosecuting Attorneys Council of Georgia. He's been researching special grand juries and their presentments. His group is also responsible for deciding whether Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones should be investigated by a special prosecutor, since Willis was disqualified from examining his role as a fake elector. So as I read Judge McBurney's order, that's what I am gleaming from it, that there may be parts of the report that have disparaging comments about certain individuals. And Judge McBurney is saying, this goes way outside the scope of your authority. And therefore, we're going to see exactly what arguments you have, state of Georgia, and what arguments others may have to make this report public. I don't think he's saying none of it should be made public, but he wants to know what parts should be made public or what is your argument that it should be made open to the public. Now, obviously, the media has an interest in having the entire report made public. But again, the cases that Judge McBurney cited are real clear that the Superior Court judge has the authority to limit what becomes public information. In a prior episode, Scandalakis said he believes that a special grand jury presentment that recommends a specific person be indicted would be going too far. I speculate that they may have named particular individuals or a particular individual um, with having committed a crime instead of just saying, you know, we recommend that the district attorney pursue, you know, this investigation further and um, for possible criminal violations. That, that's the only thing I can think of is that perhaps there's a number of disparaging comments made about public officials and no case, no case law, no grand jury is allowed to do that, which is what we talked about last time. Well, it depends who you ask on that point and perhaps when you ask them. Earlier, former Gwinnett County District Attorney Danny Porter, who advised his own special purpose grand jury, had said charges against specific individuals probably should be redacted. But after reading McBurney's order, which says the special grand jury should prepare a report on whether anyone should be prosecuted for potential crimes, he said this when asked, should recommended charges against individuals be redacted? My opinion is no, because that's their purpose. That's what they exist for, is to investigate into into whether laws regarding the elections in Georgia were violated. So if they make that recommendation, depending on how it's written and supported by evidence, and then they conclude with saying, based on this, we recommend indictment, then I think that's not a redactable statement. From a scholar standpoint, we're, we're really into a really interesting area of the law in that we haven't really had to face a lot of these questions over the years. But you got to remember, when we're talking about this, we're almost, I don't want to say we're making it up as we go along, but the law is not clear in this area. 
As for whether he thinks McBurney will redact some of the presentment's language? It's hard to say because we don't know yet what they've said. Um, Certainly, he'll have to go through the process. He'll have to review, for the sake of this discussion, we'll call it the presentment or the report, but he'll have to certainly review that because that's a fundamental rule in Georgia regarding grand juries is that they, they can't they can't criticize someone without returning an indictment against them. So we've touched on what we can expect from the news media and potential targets during the upcoming hearing on the 24th. But what about the DA's office? They're the only stakeholder that currently has the report. They know what the findings are and what, if anything, is being recommended. This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean Breeze. Tropical beach. An air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hip hop is a product of black people, it's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal Constitution presents Hip Hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. We haven't heard a peep from the DA since the proverbial white smoke piped out of McBurney's chambers, but several of the former prosecutors we spoke to expect that Willis will argue to keep the report private at least for now. Here's Danny Porter again. I suspect that it's a very fact-dense report. In other words, if they allege that someone committed a crime, I suspect that there's a lot of supporting evidence there, statements that were made, documents that were found, those types of things. I think there's a lot of different reasons why you might want to keep a report confidential. The first one that comes to mind in this age of social media and communication, there's the danger of witness intimidation. You know, and all of a sudden you're back. You're charging people with, with witness intimidation. Then they go out and intimidate the witnesses who testified against them. You also could be revealing previously unknown witnesses and what they said in the grand jury. So from a tactical standpoint, as a trial lawyer, there's a number of reasons you want to push this back into the criminal procedure realm where you're, where you're dealing with discovery rather than just let everything go out. You'd, you'd be dealing with there are, there are strong rules about criminal discovery in this state. In a criminal case, DAs typically don't release much until there's an indictment on the table or even until a case is over. Prosecutors don't want to do anything that could endanger their painstaking work. So all of this raises the question, is there any world in which DA Willis might argue for Judge McBurney to go ahead and release the report in full? Perhaps she agrees with the grand jury's recommendations and wants to use them as political cover for her chosen course of action. Or maybe she calls for sections of the report to be released, but for the juiciest tidbits to be kept under wraps. Here's Porter again. I think the desire to leave it, keep it as normal a criminal case as you can would outweigh 
you know, this idea of I'm following the will of the people, because that can be resolved further down the road pretty quickly. So my opinion, based on nothing more than what I know right now, is that she wants to keep this as normal a criminal case as she can. Let's for a second assume that D.A. Willis wants to bring forward an indictment as a result of this investigation. So when might we see some action? Pete Scandalakis pretty much sums up our own thinking on this. I have no idea. (laughs) You know, if I could predict the future, I wouldn't be in prosecution. I'd be in the stock market. And uh, I have no idea. The DA could, in theory, get ahead of Judge McBurney's hearing and seek charges from a regular grand jury before the 24th. And we've certainly learned to expect the unexpected in this inquiry. But former DeKalb DA Gwen Keyes Fleming thinks that's unlikely. I think there's risks in that. Fleming, you may remember, is the co-author of a Brookings Institution report examining the publicly available evidence in this Fulton investigation. I think if, again, if it was me, I would try to have the timing line up such that if I was pursuing indictments and actually got true bills that I would do a press conference where everything is presented together. If there is evidence in the special grand jury report to support certain charges, I think that helps her to indicate that she's following the direction of the small group of residents of Fulton County. And if for whatever reason she decides not to pursue certain charges and those those recommendations match up with the report, it helps her as well. I think once you start having one lead the other, either the indictments lead or the report leads, it opens up opportunities for all kinds of stories and and can get a little unwieldy. So if it's possible to keep it buttoned up and tight, then I think that's what she might do. There are a lot of timing considerations Willis is likely taking into account. The state legislature is currently meeting through the end of March and lawmakers can be meddlesome, to say the least. The power of the purse is a powerful thing. Indeed, one of Governor Brian Kemp's stated priorities this session is to address, quote, far-left local prosecutors who are failing their constituents and making our communities less safe. Kemp's comments came in response to a story out of Athens, Georgia, in which a county judge dismissed a sexual assault indictment after local prosecutors failed to meet his speedy trial demand. But it's worth remembering that the governor was a key witness during the Fulton investigation, and his relationship with the DA grew hostile following a nasty communications breakdown between his staff and Fulton prosecutors. Do lawmakers try and punish Willis for angering Kemp and likely targeting the former president? We'll have to wait and see. Meanwhile, there are statutes of limitations for Willis to be mindful of. For most felonies, the deadline for indictment is four years from the time a crime was committed. And there are also the 2024 elections on the horizon. Trump has already announced his comeback bid for the GOP nomination for president. And Willis herself will be on the ballot next year, which means this investigation will be, in effect, on the ballot too. If Willis wants to indict anyone, she'll have to do it as far away from the election as possible in order to avoid criticism that politics are driving her behavior. Though, we have a feeling she'll be accused of that regardless of what she does. Here's Gwen Keyes Fleming again. It's hard to guess and game out the timing at this point, but I'm fairly confident 
it doesn't matter who's on the ballot when. Uh, Fani is going to take this case seriously. And even in her absence, remember, she's representing the citizens of Fulton County. It's not her against any defendants. I think you saw where Fani was sensitive to some of the political considerations in terms of taking a hiatus during or, or just before both the primary and general elections and allowing some flexibility for witnesses to testify after election dates to avoid the appearance of any impropriety. You know, that gets, I think, a little harder to do when you're on a judge's calendar and things need to be, you know, you've got judges calling cases and that kind of thing. In some ways, once the case is calendared, the DA's office loses some of the control and it's more in the judge's hands at that point. And so, but the, the key is the DA is to be ready to present your case when you're called to do so and stay ready. And I think she will do just that, whether she's on the ballot, whether, def- you know, any possible defendant is on the ballot or not. We asked Porter to also weigh in on the timing of things and what he's expecting going forward. I think at this time next year, this case is going to be in some stage of litigation. I don't know whether it'll be appellate litigation or whether it'll be in a trial court. But, you know, if I had to actually make predictions, I think that the best guess right now is is that the grand jury's report has recommended indictments, and I think there'll be indictments. The one that it seems to me that is in most direct danger is Donald Trump himself. And knowing what I know, which is not any secret inside information, is if I had to bet, I'd say he's going to get indicted. Porter, by the way, is a Republican. So if he thinks Trump is going to get indicted, when might we see that indictment? I'm going to have to give you the lawyer's answer. It depends. Um, It depends on how far along they are in the supporting investigation, and they may need additional time. But it also depends on what the defense files as far as the basis of any indictment. I think that if they know the defense is going to file substantial motions challenging the any indictment, I would think they would want to get it indicted pretty quickly so they so they can get into that litigation. Here's Fleming again. You know, I actually think that she probably has her ducks in a row. And let's remember the 24th, I, I believe, is a regular grand jury day. Um, she will probably, no doubt, defer to the judge's ruling, but she could present to the regular grand jury later that week. And we may have some sort of press conference out of her office by the weekend or very early the following week. So I I don't know that she needs much more time to put her ducks in a row. Again, let's remember, if she decides to go for a RICO charge, she's very familiar in that space. She has one of the top Georgia experts in terms of John Floyd on her team in that. She's got other Georgia evidence experts on her team. So I think they have been working on this for a long time. So as you can see, there's a lot up in the air here in Atlanta. It could be a super busy year for us, or it could be very, very quiet. Should McBurney opt to keep the report private and Willis take her time on next steps? But you can surely count on Breakdown to be there through every twist and turn. We'll be back soon. Of course, we'll report back after the January 24th hearing, but like we said, 
Since the special purpose grand jury has been dissolved, there's nothing stopping D.A. Willis from trying to obtain indictments in this case before a regular grand jury behind closed doors. It could happen this week, next week, a month from now, whenever. If only these things happened in an orderly, scheduled fashion. I know, right? Welcome to my world. As always, thanks so very much for listening. Breakdown sound engineer is Shane Backler. Our podcast program manager is Jay Black. Thanks to our presentation specialist, Pete Corson. Our editors, Jennifer Brett and Dan Kleppel. Our managing editor, Leroy Chapman. And Kevin Riley, the editor of the AJC. You can follow our daily coverage on our website, AJC.com. And if you really want to support local journalism, please subscribe to the AJC. Be safe and take care. Until next time, I'm Bill Rankin. And I'm Tamar Hallerman. This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word, AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.